This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. My name is Shane Olson. I am the lead pastor at Decibel Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I am blessed to call Pastor Kevin friend. Um, I, I just, I want to take a second, and I, before I jump into this message, I don't, I don't think you realize how blessed you are to have Pastor Kevin as your pastor. Like, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I want to tell you something. Um, about three years ago is the last time I was here, and um, your pastor is the smartest man I know. Like, I'm, I'm serious, like Yoda smart. Like, I'm, I'm pastoring church, and every time I find my way into a mess, I call him, and he says something that I've got to write down and process for like two days, and then go like, he is a genius. Like, this, this man, like, you guys, I love him. I'm blessed to call him friend. I'm blessed to wreck him on go-karts. I am blessed. Um... I just, I love him. I love his family. I love their hearts and how they've cared for our family. Um, because of your, his investment and time into our church, because of your investment, because you generously give to Vortex Church, and because Vortex Church gave to Decibel Church to start it, I want to tell you that over 700 people in a little over two years have accepted Jesus Christ. And that's something to get excited about. That's y'all, like y'all, y'all sowed. And because of your investment, it's multiplying exponentially. And so from the bottom of my heart, can we just give a radical applause for your pastor, Pastor Kevin and his wife? Man, we love you guys. I don't know where he went because every seat in this place is taken, I think, but like he's here somewhere and we love him. Um, My wife is here today. I do not know if she's in here right now. She was in first service. Um, I'm married way out of my league. My wife's name is Lisa. We have two children biologically, and we have one foster child. And I'll talk more about him in just a second when we we jump into this message. But I I feel like i got to tell you, because your pastor is so incredibly smart, the only way I know how to explain this, I'm going to explain this in my terms. Is that cool? Um, Because I'm not the, the brightest color in the coloring box or the sharpest tool in the shed, you know what I'm saying? So, um, like, when you go to Walmart, like, we only go to Walmart because there's not a Target close. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, anybody out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we could go to Target, we would always go to Target, but Walmart's closer, so we go to Walmart. Um, like, in the scale of those shopping experiences, there's Target. Like, everyone wants to go to Target. No one wants to go to Walmart. We just do it because we have to, right? So there's Target, there's Walmart, Big Lots. Y'all got a Big Lots? You know what I'm talking about? Um, the, the, the Dollar Tree? The Dollar Store, the Dollar General. Y'all are used to Target on Sunday mornings. I'm more like Dollar General. Okay? I just need to lower your expectations for a little bit so we're on the same page. Because like, like even when I got his notes for this series, I was like, what, le- what else can I say? Like this man has said everything possibly that I can dream of. Like, like he is a genius. So let's just get ready for Dollar General. I mean, it's cool. You can go in and get a box of candy for a dollar and we'll all be happy, okay? So if, you, if we're there, like, we'll be good. Um, so let, let me jump in and tell you my story because I am a hot mess. 
Um, beginning to end, God used messes to, to shape who I am and to call me to his redemptive purposes. And um, how, many of you, how many of you remember kindergarten? Come on, you remember kindergarten? Come on, second service, y'all going to have to interact with me just a little bit, okay? Um, y'all have had your coffee, it's in your system. Um, I enjoyed kindergarten so much um, after my mom had a discussion with my kindergarten teacher, I got to do it twice. Um, <laughs> Like, like <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Like, apparently I couldn't spell my name. I couldn't write my name. I didn't know my name, but man, I could play kickball. You know what I'm saying? Um, like that, that was my story. And, and from the earliest of age, um, we look to, to a scholastic system to affirm and say, man, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And that just wasn't my story. By the time I got to seventh grade, my dad was a minister and my dad looked at me and he goes, son, you need Jesus. And uh, he said, we're sending you to Christian school. He said, you're going to sit in chapel every day, whether you like it or not, like whether you want to or not. People are going to pray over you. People are going to like plead for you, like, like you need Jesus, boy. And so I went to Christian school. About midway through, you know when the semester turns? They called me, my mom, and my dad, and they said, man, your son is, is, is something. Something. Matter of fact, he's just so something, we're just going to bless him to go back to the public school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's going to head on back. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, like at that moment in life, it was like yet another rejection. It was another thing that I'm like, man, I don't fit in Christian school. I, I, good Lord, I couldn't graduate kindergarten. Um, like, like, God, what, what are you doing? Like, what's up? Like, I, th- these things began to get more and more personal. By the time I, I got to college, um, I went to Bible college, wasn't loving Jesus. As a matter of fact, the only reason why I went to Bible college was because um, my, my dad was in ministry. He moved to northern Indiana, and um, I, I was chasing a girl in Dallas, Texas. And I just want to tell you, if you're not dating someone, it's probably not good to make a life decision such as college um, based on said girl. Um, just throw that out there if you're thinking about doing that like he's really cute or she's really cute I'm just going to go to school there and hope everything works out bad idea um, so I went to my first year of Bible college and you know as Christmas rolled around he called me in it's a shame <laughs> when they call me in around Christmas time I'm pretty much used to this by this point in my life and they said Shane hey just sit down for a second they said you're just not a fit here we don't think you should continue. And I said, all right, where am I going to go? Because if I go home and tell my parents I'm not coming back, I may not have a place to live. I said, that's not our problem, but you ain't coming back here. So I enrolled in a program called Master's Commission. It's a one-year hands-on like discipleship. I needed someone to pour into my life. I need someone to straighten me out. You know what I'm saying? I need someone to just grab me by the ears, look me in the eye, and say, you're an idiot, boy. You know, you, you know, ever been there? You know, Dollar General people, come on, work with me. <laughs> um, so, so that's where I was at in life, and um, so I go to this one-year hands-on ministry, like like vocation, like we're just gonna work in the trenches, and it was in in the inner city, right outside Chicago, and it was rough, and got to the Christmas play, and right after the Christmas play, they called me in. Shane, we love you. Man, it's been a great semester. We just, we just don't think you need to come on back. I'm like, man, I have heard this since seventh grade. God, what are you doing? 
Like, like God, I knew since 12 years old I was called into the ministry. God, I knew like, like there was a plan and a purpose for my life. But God, there is no one affirming it. There's no one pushing me towards the greater things that God has for my life because I am a stubborn butt. You know, like no one's like, God, what's going on? This is a mess. God, how do I deal with the mess? And as I studied the notes for, for this message, as I, I, I thought through it, as I looked at it, um, there, there were some points that, 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 that Kevin made, Pastor Kevin made that just stuck out in, in my story. I mean, come on. The story of our life is not the mess, but how we respond to it. It's not the fact that every school I seems like I ever went to said, hey, you're not a fit. There is God in the middle of the mess doing something, calling me to a greater purpose. So God, if, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Let's go, baby. Jesus doesn't run from our mess. He runs to it. In the middle of my mess, God didn't change his call on my life. He was perfecting it. How many of you know I offer way more grace probably than anyone else because I have lived out needing grace time and time again. I am a hot mess. And can I tell you something? All living creatures produce waste. You know what I'm talking about? All living creatures produce waste. They make a mess. Hence, my five-month-old foster child that we've had since four days old. We're the only family he's ever known. Dropped him off at our house, and we love him to death. I mean, we, 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 we play with him. Like last night, he was in bed between me and my wife. I mean, he just, he, we treat him like a son. But you know what? I never have done well with baby diapers. Never. Like, like, like I spray potpourri before I get there. You know what I'm talking about? I wrap towels around my head where all you can see is my eyes so I can't smell a thing because I will throw up. Like I will puke on said child. Like it, it's going to happen. Like I've been known to take children to the neighbors that are home and say, like, I need your help. Like mess, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I just don't deal well with it. But here's what I know. We expect that from a five-month-old. Now, my nine-year-old son walks in here, and when he sits down, he goes, you know, you hear like a squish. And all of a sudden, people start going, what's that smell? And my son goes, oh, I, I, I did it in my pants. I'm awesome. Like, this is great. We wouldn't go, man, you're a winner. Like, son, so proud of you. That's amazing. You just messed in your pants. You, I'm going to stay in them, Dad, all day long. We'd all be like, this kid is an idiot. As we grow up and mature, we handle our messes differently. There's an expectation that begins to change. There's things that begin to shift in our heart. And, and here's what I want to jump into today, if that's cool. Because, like, as I see it, as I walk through it, I, I was, and I'm going to give you, uh, like, some homework. Is that cool? Like, I'm going to tell you a passage I think you need to read that applies to our hot mess. And that's when Solomon in Second Chronicles is taking the reins from David because that's what I was going to preach on today. Like I had the whole message written and like as I was studying, man, God just shifted my heart. And, 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 and he said, no, there, there's a bigger mess you need to look at. And that's, that's, can we all just agree for a second that there's one day in Jesus's life that he lived with great purpose, but it was still a mess. And that was the day he, he hung on the cross. Can we collectively agree that season, that moment, those days where he was hanging on the cross was a mess. And in the middle of this mess, he starts making statements. He makes seven statements hanging on the cross, three of which I'm going to look at today, but all seven are applicable to our hot mess. 
So I do challenge you to too, to read the, the other ones that I'm not going to give you today. But man, he speaks directly to us. How, how many of you ever read something you're like, ooh, that, that, that's good. I don't know that I like it, but it's good. Because that's what we're about to do. We're going to just jump into some things that Jesus said in the middle of a mess and how they apply to us today. Can we do that? Well, we're doing it whether you want to or not. So here we go. John 19, 28 says this. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said what? I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. We read that time and time again. We're like, oh, Jesus was thirsty. Give Jesus a drink. Like He's thirsty. Now, there's something bigger here. He's in the middle of his mess. He's hanging on the cross. He had this need that he couldn't meet himself. And he needed someone to help him. So if we're, we're going to live out our mess, then there's some things that, guys, we got to do in the middle of our mess, whether we want to or not. Man, there, there's a process here to live out our messes and say, God, I need you to move more in me, and I need you to do some things. God, I need help. And one of those things is, is we have to be authentic enough to acknowledge our need. We have to be authentic enough to acknowledge our need. That's what Jesus did right here. He, he said, hey, I have a need. I have a need. Here, here's, can I just be honest with you? Like, I'm a pastor, and I deal with people all the time, and, and, and I'm just, like, people walking, how are you doing today? I am blessed, hallelujah. Glad, I'm glad you're blessed. You know what I'm saying? They show up in my office later that week. My life is falling apart. This is what's going on. And they, like, my, my car's getting repossessed. My spouse is leaving me. My kids are hellions. Like, I'm like, you were blessed on Sunday. I just couldn't tell you that at church on Sunday. We could have said, at least let's schedule a meeting. You know what I'm saying? But here's what happens. We put these little masks on. And we walk into church. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. This is great. My kid's making straight A's. Kid ain't never seen an A. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just, we just say it all. Like, that's probably what my mama said. Hey, my boy's making straight A's. That's a lie. <laughs> he never seen an A, you know? Like, like. Like, like we, we come in and we put this mask on. Everything's great. Everything's good. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. You know? Think if we wave our hands a little more, we jump a little bit, or we just say the right thing, that everything's going to be good. But right here in the middle of his mess, Jesus says, uh-uh. Sometimes we just got to take the mask off and admit and be authentic enough to say, I have a need. And here's what we need to realize in the middle of a mess. We don't need everybody. We need somebody. Come on, you need to catch this. We don't need everybody. We need somebody. Because here's what I realized, that there's just the opposite. We don't want to tell anyone, and there's some people we just want to tell everyone. You call everyone from A to Z. We had a lady in our church who was literally texting 35 to 40 people, the best we could tell. The same text message as soon as a mess arose in her life. She was getting 40 people responding back to her with information. Everyone in the church knew her business. We don't need everybody. We need somebody. We need that somebody that will walk with us through life. We need that somebody that will show up when our pastor gets on to us. Right, Kevin? <laughs> pastor Kevin? Like, we just need somebody. Who's your Somebody. Because you, here's the question, you have to have somebody you can be authentic enough with when you walk into these doors that you can say, hey, let me pull you off to the side. Let me tell you something in the corner. My life isn't good today. I can't say glory, hallelujah. I can't do it because I am a hot mess. We have to be authentic enough to communicate our need. That's what Jesus tells us hanging on the cross. And that is tough. Because sometimes we don't want our business out. But we don't need everybody. We need somebody. You with me? Does that make sense? There's something else that, that Jesus says hanging on the cross in Matthew 
27, 46. I've said this prayer. Like Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? If you've ever lived in a hot mess, you've said those words. Come on. Come on, in the middle of your mess, you're sitting there, you're going, God, where are you at? God, what's going on? God, where you been? This doesn't make sense. God, why did I get laid off? God, why did, why did this happen in my marriage? God, why did this happen to my children? God, where are you at? I've been there. I'm going to share my story in just a minute. In the middle of my mess that I'm going to share in just a minute, one of my favorite things happened. I had a pastor walk up to me, and he, I don't, can I say this? I'm going to say this because I probably won't come back. Um, um, he, he walked up to me, and he goes, this sucks. And I said, it does. And he goes, um, you probably got a lot of people telling you you're sorry right now. And I said, yeah, a lot of people are saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, this is terrible. And um, he said, this isn't good, is it? No, it's terrible. And he said, here's what you need to do. You need to go into the room. You need to close the door. And you need to let your heart out to God because God created you to be an emotional being. He created you with the feelings. He created you with all that's going on. And you need to have this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me moment? And you need to pour your heart out to him. He said, you've been pouring your heart out to everyone all day long. You've been listening to everything all day long. He says, it's time to go in there, shut the door, and it's time to let it out to God. Because here's what I realize. We have to aim our hard questions at God, not man. Matter of fact, we, we have to aim our hard questions at God, not man. Psalms 147.5 says it this way. He says, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. He, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no what? Limit. His understanding has no limit. Like he is the wisest of the wise. Is prayer our first response or our last resort? Think about that for a second. In the middle of the mess, do you call Sister Sally or Brother Joe before you reach out to Jesus? Because right here on the cross, God says, hey, Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm just going gonna, gonna to aim and leverage all my hard questions at God because I know that his understanding has no limit. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're getting a little tiff with someone at work. You call your little friend, and your little friend says, oh, that, I'm on your side. We want people on our side. We want people fighting for us and with us instead of just, oh, you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so we tell them our perspective of the story so that they will be on our said side. God has, has no limit to understanding. He's not on a side. He's on a journey, and he's taking you to a new place in him. And so we need to reach out to him, not everyone else. We just need one person on our side that's walking with us and pointing us towards Jesus. Can I tell you the one person you need is always the person who points you back to Jesus every time. And what, what God's saying here is, is you know what? There's going to be a moment where all of a sudden you have to rip your heart open and, and let it all out to God. Can I tell you, there was a day where I walked into a room, I shut the door and I said, all right, God, here's my heart. And you know, I tell you the truth, it wasn't a, they thou wast Lord. I'm speaking in King James language, so you will understandeth me, Lord. It wasn't like that. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure I used words I'm supposed to use in prayer. Because my heart was so hurt and I was so vulnerable and God made me, he knew what was in my heart. And I said, okay, God, I'm letting this all out because I know I can't hold it in any longer. So God, here come all my hard questions, whether you like it or not, because God, I need you to speak to the situation because there is no human wisdom that's going to understand what's going on in this heart. You ever been there? I know I have been. Because you know why? I'm a hot mess. 
I'm Dollar General. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm selling candy for a dollar going, come on, baby, let's go. That's who, like, like, God, I'm a hot mess. I know when we begin to aim our hard questions at God, you may not get the answer right then, but you can count on two things. Your cry will never fall on deaf ears. Your cry will never fall on deaf ears. And time will always bring an answer in your best interest. And that what scriptures tell us, God will turn all things to the good of those who love him. When we begin to more passionately, madly in love with Jesus, he's going to take whatever that mess is and he's going to turn it for his glory, his good, his purpose. And sometimes we just don't see how. You ever been in that mess? God, I don't know how you're going to turn this one. I was there. And I'm going to tell you the story in just a second. John 19, 26 through 27 says it this way. This is one more thing he, he, Jesus does hanging on the cross. In the middle of our mess, we've we got to hear from Jesus for a second. John 19, 26 through 27 says, When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. In the middle of his mess, hanging on the cross, he took time to care for others. Right? In the middle of our mess, we have to care for others. And this is, to me, this is the one thing that creates more friction in my heart and tension in me. Because right there, what Jesus was saying was, my dad has passed away. Joseph is likely gone at this point because of this very statement. And it was his responsibility to care for his mother. And he knew with him being crucified, no one was going to care for his mom. So he looked at the disciple he loved and says, hey, listen, I need you to care for my mama. So in the middle of his mess, he was making sure everyone was taken care of, everyone was cared for. And that is just so contradictory to our hearts. Come on now, let me put it this way. How many men in here have ever had the flu? Come on, come on man flu, let's go. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a pitiful mess when I get the man. My wife gets a cold, she runs through it all. My wife gets the flu, she runs through it all. I get the flu, I'm in bed acting like I'm dying. I mean, at that moment, I don't, listen, I don't care if the yard's mowed. I don't care if the dishes are done. I don't care if the laundry's eight feet high. I don't care because this is about me because I'm sick and dying with the flu. <laughs> Clearly have never died from the flu, but hey, right? We, 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 we lay there like, like we, 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 we say, oh, is it, this is the end of the world. I'm going to die. Honey, please, please, please go get me some more movies from Redbox. This is terrible. I've, I've been watched, binge watched everything on Netflix. I have nothing left to watch. I'm going to die. Just telling you how it is in my home. Take it for whatever it's worth. But in the middle of those messes, we have to push against what comes naturally. Because it's not poor me. It's God, let me, let me care for people around me in the middle of my mess. We begin to care for people in the middle of our mess. There is a very powerful message that's sent that gives glory and honor to God. I mean, like, like I could have easily sat there in the middle of my mess. When, when school after school, I could have said, you know, Shane, man, see all the potential in the world, but you're just not a fit here. You know, they, they try to candy coat that stuff. And really what they're saying is, you got the boot, glory, hallelujah. Like, like in that moment, 
I could have internalized that and said, I'll never be anything. I, I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm a failure at heart. Like, God, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand, God. No one believes in me. No one cares about me. But God was saying, no, I've got a plan and a purpose. It doesn't matter what everyone around you is saying. It's a matter of what I'm saying. Do we believe the voice of the Lord over what the world is telling us? Some of the greatest dreams may happen. Some of the greatest failures. Like, God, move in us. Move in my mess, right? And God, in the middle of it all, I'm just going to care for people and walk with people like I never have before. Here's, here's how I see it. And, and I'm, I'm just going to tell a story. Is that cool that ties all this together? And I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to tell you about the biggest mess I've ever lived, I've ever walked. Um, and I'm going to tell you how these three things helped me through it. Because sometimes we just walk God's plan even when we don't feel it. You know what I'm talking about? God, I don't, I don't want to do this today. Well, you need to do it today. I don't want to. Just walk the process. Because in the process, God's going to move. My dad was probably the greatest man of God I've ever met in my life. I mean, powerful moves of the Holy Spirit through him. Literally saw hundreds and hundreds of people in a matter of 12 weeks come to know Christ. Some of the most anointed moves of God I've ever been a part of. I watched happen through my dad. My dad was a man of God. And for me to say that as a, a pastor's child living in his home, that says a whole lot. Can we all agree on that? Like, I saw him at home. I was judging his home life, not his ministry life. And I'll never forget the day when my dad called me and he goes, uh, he goes, Shaney, he goes, um, I, have, uh, I have colon rectal cancer. He says, is it terminal? He said, no. He said, I'm going to have to wear this thing on my, this little square thing, and they're going to pour chemo into me. And he said, I'm going to be ugly, like I'm going to lose my hair and my eyebrows and everything else. I said, well, Dad, that's not bad news because you're already ugly. Um, so I guess you're going to be fine, <laughs> you know. And he, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we carried on. And he had already seen the birth of my daughter. And um, he got pretty sick, so we went down, and he spoiled my, my daughter rotten, like got her one of them inflatable things, you know, the water slides. Like she owns one. What four-year-old needs an inflatable water slide that she owns? Like that's mine in the back. No, we're not renting it. We own it. So we, we go down there, we hang out. A little bit later, he sees the birth of my son. Holds my son in his arms. And um, a week later, we're sitting at the dinner table, and it's my family, my daughter, and my son's off sleeping because that's what babies do a lot. And um, I get a call on my phone, and, and I picked it up, and there was silence. And um, if, if you... If you ever get that call where you just know in your gut something's wrong, that was that call. And my dad was on the other line, and um, he says, Shane, he goes, I need to tell you something. I said, what, Dad? He said, this is terminal. And he hung up the phone. It was at that moment, and I broke, and uh, my head hit the table, and I just began to weep. And um, 
I'm a man of faith. Like, I'm a pastor at this point in my life. I'm supposed to have all the right answers, right? I'm supposed to be the guy who goes, God's going to come through. And, I, and I'm broken. I'm like, okay, God, this is your moment. Like, if there's ever anyone that needs, like, a miracle, like, it's my dad. He deserves it, God. He's been so faithful to you. He's only 55 years old, God. So, God, like, he's way too young to die. And, and God, I just know you're setting this up for this enormous miracle. It just felt like it in my heart. Like, God, this is the moment. Like, this is it. We waited and we waited. We waited. We prayed. We fasted. We asked everyone we knew to pray. And um, we got the call that we were at the end. And I was working for a church who loved me so well through process. They said, Shane, we need you to model how families respond in the most difficult of times. So we were setting an account up for you. Whenever you need to go to Miami, you fly and you just go. Don't worry about us here. And I flew down, and for three weeks, I sat at the side of my dad's bed. I watched him um, do some of the craziest things he's ever done on life. Morphine makes you do crazy things. Um, and I sat there, and I watched the man of God that I knew waiting. I, I, just, I was waiting like for this miracle, like hair grow back, eyebrows, whole deal, walk out, and everyone's like, what just happened? We were within 24 hours of his, his death. And... Um, the man who led me to God, his name's Mike Livengood, walked into the room and um, he said, uh, guys, he said, y'all been here for three weeks. He said, y'all have sat here. He said, you've watched every breath. You've watched him slowly digress. He goes, it's Saturday night. He goes, tomorrow's Sunday. He goes, how do you want me to pray? He said, do you want me to pray for this to be peaceful? Or do you want me to pray that this happens quickly? Or do you want me to pray for a miracle? It was there in that hospital room that me, my, my brother, and my mom, my sister all looked at each other and we said, please just pray that this is peaceful and quick. That prayer happened at 10 o'clock at night. About three in the morning on a Sunday morning, a man who had devoted his life to being a passionate follower of Jesus and leading many people to Christ died. And my hot mess was born. I was, um, for six months, I, I was in shock. Like I, I, was, I, I was angry at God. And I'm a minister, guys. Like, Six months in, I walked into my pastor's office and I said these words exactly. I said, um, I need to tell you something. And he said, what? I said, I've been doing this for six months. And he said, I've been, I said, I've, I've been trying to minister to students. He's like, dude, you're doing a great job. You have 150 students in a church of 300. Like, this is good. I said, it's not. I said, um, I don't know that today I can look people in the eye and say God is good. I said, um, you need to fire me. I said, because the message I'm preaching, I'm not sure I believe today. And can we just all collectively agree for a minister to say that? That's pretty powerful. That's in the middle of a mess. He looked back at me and said, no, you're going to go see a counselor. And I began to walk the feelings and the emotions out with a counselor. I began to wrestle it through. And, and in the middle of my mess, I began to see God do a miracle. I began to see God transform my life from the inside out. I began to see God work in my life because, you see, it wasn't until about two and a half years ago 
when I was praying one day, and I began to say, God, man, I, I was thanking God for my father. I said, God, thank you for giving me a dad who, who lived out ministry and showed me how to be a man of God. Like, thank you for, for this, this, and this. And he said, Shane, he said, I called you to plant a church because in the middle of that mess, God was changing my heart. And he was moving me to a place where I'd be willing to plant a church. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I think student ministry is the best vocation in the world. I mean, you get paid to go whitewater rafting and go to Carowinds. Why would you not want to do that? still think it's the best vocation. And I'm a church planner. He began to change my heart to plant a church. So two and a half years ago, as I was thanking God for my father, he said, Shane, he goes, I needed your father to come home so that you would plant the church that I called you to plant. He said he made all the investment he could. He said, but I needed it to look a little bit different. You see, the church that God called me to plant would have looked a lot different if my dad would have been speaking into it. And he took that voice from me so that he could speak and I would do what God wanted me to do, not my father. And you know what's amazing? My brother, Sean, in the next year is going to plant a church right behind me. God's doing something in the middle of the mess that's so redemptive and so powerful, that's so amazing. Does it hurt? Yes! It's painful. It's a mess I don't want to live, but it's a mess God's calling me to live out. And can I just tell you something? It's okay to be a mess when it pushes you to live like Jesus. It's okay to be a mess when it pushes you to live like Jesus. And through this process, I saw these three things lived out. There was a moment where I was authentic enough to walk into a pastor's office and tell him, hey, I'm not good. You need to fire me. There was a day where I walked in, I shut the door in a closet, and I let it all out to God. And it was not pretty, y'all. Like, you're thinking, oh, I was kind. I wasn't. I was yelling and screaming. And I'm telling you, I don't know that I used the proper words. Because the heart, the hurt in my heart was real. And I wasn't going to candy coat it for God. This is what I'm living, God. I need you to speak to it. And in the middle of that, now I was the patriarch of a family. I had to care for my mom. I had to care for my brother, and I had to care for my sister because I'm the oldest. And I had to walk all that out in the middle. I was caring for everyone. And somewhere in the process, God turned my heart, and I can tell you today, God is good. I can tell you that God comes through in the middle of our mess. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it hurts the most, God comes through. It's okay to be in a mess when it pushes us to live like Jesus. Let's just walk the process that he's asking us to so that we can give him all the glory and praise and honor in the end. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.